version of that act. It's wonderful to know that there is an entire book of the Bible devoted to how sexuality fits in marriage and intimacy, the longing and courtship to be with one another, the culmination on the wedding day, and the marriage maturing. And the first four chapters is a whole section on dating and courtship. And the last four chapters speak of a marriage after the honeymoon that goes through its adjustments and goes on to maturity. It's a beautiful depiction of God extolling human love. There was a survey done several years ago, actually not too many years ago, and people were asked as to their opinion of the future of family and marriage in the United States. 71%, almost three-fourths, said they believe that family life is in trouble in the United States and failing. 71%. Now, I think if you were to poll people today, you'd get a lot more saying that. In an entirely different survey, couples were asked personal questions. Not, what do you think of America, but what about your personal marriage, your love relationship with your spouse? Seventy-five percent, three-quarters, believed, they said, that their own family life was in disrepair at home, and they believed that their marriage was a failure. Three-quarters. Then in another survey, where they polled just young people between the ages of 20 and 35. By the way, how many people between the ages of 20 and 35 married do we have here tonight? Raise your hands, please. That's a good amount. Of those polled, six couples out of 100 said that they had happy marriages. Six out of 100. Now, after hearing those two statistics, if you'd go back up and say, what is the future of family life in America? I think more than 71% would say that it is failing. Song of Solomon, as we said, pictures human love. God in the midst of a husband and wife. They love one another deeply. The first four chapters, as we said, is before their marriage, and they can't wait to get married as it is with most people who are engaged. They just can't wait. And yet there's this beauty in waiting before any real intimacy sexually is concerned. Now this morning we talked about David and uh, his unbridled lust. We saw the negative side. Tonight we see the positive side. And it's important that we recognize a few basics. First of all, God invented marriage. It's his institution before government, before the church. God instituted the family. Before anything else, the family unit was number one. The first institution was marriage. He invented it. It's not man's idea. It doesn't say in the course of human history, man decided he needed a tax break and so he invented marriage. God created man and woman, male and female, And God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Because God invented marriage, man neither has the right nor the ability to tamper with it. It's a God-given institution. If man invented it, he would then have the right to regulate it, to tamper with it, 
to throw it out if he wanted to. But because God invented it, man neither has the capability nor the right to touch it. And Jesus said that. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Once you're together, you're together. And so we read that beautiful act in the book of Genesis where God, after he made his creation, and he remarked on his creation, and after he made different things, he said, that's good. He'd made the heavens and the earth. He said, it's good. He made the sea. That's good. He made the stars. It's good. He kept saying it's good until he got to man. He looked at man. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. <laughs> he made man upon the earth, made him head of the creation, and although Adam had the best job of anybody ever, he had what people retire for. 